Full Draw Friday, Episode 4. Here we go. What's up, everybody? This is Full Draw Friday. We're going to talk a little bit about the pre-rut today. It's going to be the annual pre-rut episode. Last year, I did a video on it. And now with the Full Draw Friday, I'm just going to use this episode to talk about some pre-rut tips since we're in that time of year. And when I'm talking about the pre-rut, generally, I'm talking about October 25th through the 4th or 5th of November, kind of that period right before things really start to get heated up in the rut, the actual rut where more does are coming in estrus. So this time of year, the bucks are more ready than the does are. So they're out there looking for those first does that are coming in estrus. There's not very many that does that are ready yet. So you're going to see more buck movement throughout the daylight hours. And this is a really good time of year, especially if you've got a target buck before they get crazy in the rut and start running around all over the place to get on that buck and kill him. Uh, we talk a lot here about the last week of October being one of the best weeks of the year, and that holds true, and I expect it to again this year, um, especially if you can get a cold front like what we've had come through. I know some guys had some luck today. Unfortunately, none of our guys did. Um, I think it's probably just a case of the wrong place at the right time. Um, I did have a couple decent pictures. Saw a small buck tonight, a couple does. Um, I think Jeff saw some does on his way out, but... As far as that goes, we didn't have much luck, but we did have some deer come in the shop. I've talked to some other people who saw quite a bit of activity from bucks tonight. So, again, this last week of October is going to be one of the best of the season, especially this upcoming weekend, tomorrow, Sunday, and Monday. So we're going to talk about the how to hunt this time of year, and we'll talk a little bit about it on Monday's episode as well. We were supposed to have a guest come on, but we had some, he had some uh, stuff come up last minute. So we'll just use it to talk about the pre-rut as well. More of a, as a group, and then get an update like we normally do on what everybody's been seeing, how things have been going. I know Jeff's got some stuff he wants to talk about on one of his properties that he's hunting and managing a little bit. So that'll be good for Monday, but for this Full Draw Friday, we'll stick with some tips for the pre-rut. And the first one, and if you follow us on Instagram, you saw this morning, this was the First day that we've hunted the morning, that I've hunted the mornings this season. And usually I like to wait until this time of year to do that. I just don't have a lot of luck early in the season in the mornings. Uh, generally spook a lot more deer than I end up seeing from the stand. Unless you've got one just patterned where you know he's coming in there pretty regular in the mornings. And you got a good chance to get in there and be safe about it without spooking anything and kill them uh, their early season in the mornings. It's probably a good good idea to go ahead and wait until this pre-rep period. So if you're in that boat, now's the time to start. You're going to see those bucks moving later in the morning, uh, not getting back into their bed as early because they're out looking for does more than just on their normal feeding patterns. If you've got a spot in between a couple bedding areas, that's going to be a really good place to be, like in the timber. Um, and we'll talk about a couple of other places to hunt as well, uh, kind of within that on one of them. So the second one is to start calling. If you haven't started calling already, uh, now's the time to do that as well. The bucks are going to be pretty receptive to it because, like I said, their testosterone levels are going up every day until the peak of the rut. So they're out there looking to fight. Um, I shouldn't say they're looking to fight, but they're out there uh, looking to let the other bucks know that they're in the area and that's their range. That's the way I should put it. So if you can find a buck that's doing that, especially generally more mature deer, they're going to be pretty receptive to those calls, especially the grunt tube this time of year, um, rattling horns if they're a little farther away. You can usually tell by the deer's body language um, just how 
much he's going to react to that or how exactly he's going to react to that. Um, you can almost tell if they're in that kind of mood or not. And then especially if you know the deer from last year, if you've got pictures of them, uh, video on your trail cameras, maybe he's got a broken brow tine or a broken three or something. So, you know, he's already been out there fighting, so he's probably a pretty aggressive buck. He's going to be a good candidate for calling and bringing in for a bow shot. The other way is if you call to him and they hear you and they just give you a tail flick and keep going, then you're probably not going to want to call it that deer anymore because you're probably going to mess it up. Um, you're probably going to run him off more than you are going to bring him in. Uh, he's not looking for a fight at that particular time, so best just to leave him alone and come in there after him another day. And how you're going to know if he heard you or not, generally if they're doing, if they just keep doing whatever they were doing when you called out on the first time, they probably didn't hear you. Um, you can go back and listen to the, I think it was episode two of Full Draw Friday where I talked about deer senses. They hear pretty similar to us. Uh, they hear they do hear some different frequencies than we do, but there's a lot of overlap. So there's going to be a good chance that they don't hear you if they're a good distance away or if the wind's blowing. So if you grunt at them and you don't get a reaction, they don't move their ears, they don't stop and look up from whatever they're doing, good chance they didn't hear you. You might want to give them another one. But if they do stop, look at you, and then just go on, maybe hit them with one more soft grunt. Uh, if they don't react to that, just let them walk and then come back in there after them. Last thing you want to do is overcall to them and then let them know you're there. They're going to figure out that that's not natural or they're going to think there's a, a more mature buck, more dominant buck in the area, and they're not going to want to mess with that. Um, some bucks just aren't fighters. Some of them are. So that's like I said, if you know them from years past or have trail camera history with them, that's going to be really handy for this time of year as far as the calling goes. And then if you don't, just try to read their body language and uh, play it that way. So the next one is kind of similar to that on trail cameras. The, I'm really going to be looking at, or every year I really look at my previous year's trail camera pictures to figure out, especially if I know I have a buck that's um, a holdover from last year that's still in a certain area. I'm going to try to look at those pictures and figure out when around, give me a, give me a day range, like within three days of when he came in last year, um, for the daylight the first time. So if I've got a buck that come in last year on the fourth to a certain location, which I do, for example, he come to the food plot for the first time. He's really nice. Three and a half year old, four and a half year old buck. I'd had him the year before he was either a big two and a half or, uh, a three and a half year old deer so he's potentially four and a half or five and a half this year but I've had him for two years straight um, the first year he showed up the end of the first week of November and then last year he showed up at the middle of the first week of November so I'm gonna be after him this year in that fourth to eighth range um, that's when I'm probably gonna be hunting that deer expecting him to show back up because a lot of times deer in the same, that are in the same area are gonna have the same habits and they're gonna show up at the same times as they did the years previous. So that's another thing you can do. Uh, that's why we keep all our pictures of antlered bucks that we have. Anything, especially two and a half and older, that has some distinct characteristics where you can tell that it's the same buck. Um, obviously, I'm not keeping spikes or four corns most of the time, but if he's got characteristics or he's big enough that I'm going to be able to tell what deer he is year over year, I'm going to keep all those pictures, and then I can start to pattern them, not only pattern them not only in that season, but year over year, and that's really going to come in handy this time of year. Um, maybe just helping you decide which spot to go to or uh, giving you something to look forward to. If you haven't seen anything on camera yet this year, but you know he showed up on the 6th of November or the 31st of October last year, you can get in there and hunt around that day, you know, a day or two on either side of it. 
and uh, feel pretty good about maybe seeing him again if he's still around. So another another tip for the pre-rut, this is going to be more of a location one, is hunting where the does are at. So I mentioned a little bit about hunting between bedding areas. If you know where your does are bedding and you can get on the downwind side of that, that's going to be a pretty good place to find those bucks during the daylight, kind of sniffing around, checking for those first does that are coming in. If you have the does on your property, this is the time of year to start going in there and being around them. Because if you can find that first doe that comes into estrus, then you're going to be in the chips. That's where you're going to find a lot of mature bucks too because it seems that, and I've kind of noticed this over the years, that the mature bucks are generally the first ones to pick up on those early estrus does, um, whether it's just because they've been there or done that or they've learned over the years to start checking a little earlier. They seem to be the ones that find the earliest does that come in. Uh, if that's just Mother Nature doing her thing, whatever it is, if you can find that first doe that comes in, you're going to have a pretty good chance she's going to have a, a mature buck close by. If you can get her to go by your stand, I mean, if you can be in the stand when she goes by, probably set to have several bucks come cruising by during that sit. So hunt the does this time of year, you know, a lot of for the rest of the early season. Maybe you're hunting a little bit different location for that buck than you would the does. Generally, the bucks aren't going to bed in a lot of the same places as the does because they don't want to mess with them all day. But now is the time of year where they want to be around them, um, and they're looking for those first ones coming in. So find them where the does are hanging out. Go hunt that spot, and you should be in luck with some buck activity coming by. The next one is another location one. And once I get... To the end of what I'm going to talk about on this one, I'll pull a little bit from uh, the North American Whitetail from an article by Clint McCoy in that. Just a couple paragraphs out of it. I'm not going to read the whole thing or much out of it. Uh, You should go check it out, though. It's a really good article. If you don't have North American Whitetail, get it and then go read that article. It's actually called The Master Scrape Theory, but I'll get into that in a second. The, The scrapes are going to start heating up this time of year. Uh, The picture I got tonight was actually on a scrape that... um, I'd made a mock scrape, and they had worked at some earlier in the year, but here over the last this lull period, it had kind of gone quiet, and it hadn't been worked, especially the bottom part of it. On the ground, that buck I got tonight coming there, opened all that up, worked the licking branch, um, turned around and came back, did it again probably 30 minutes later um, after a little buck had went in there and worked it. So if you can find those scrapes, especially historic locations where they've been before, even if they're not fresh, uh, they're bound to freshen those up here within the next week or so. So if you can be there when they're doing that, obviously that's where you want to be. If you can find that fresh sign, uh, that's even better because you know they're in the area and they've already been there. You know, I, uh, even if I had not had the camera, I would have known by looking at that scrape, there was at least a buck that had come in and worked at and he was still in the area. Um, if you're starting to see rubs pop up, um, generally you don't want to hunt rub lines too much because they're doing a lot of that at night, and they're just going to come in and, and rub on that tree probably one time and then move on from it and go make rubs on different trees. It's not like a scrape where they continuously come back most of the time. However, if you are seeing those fresh rubs and stuff, again, that's another key clue that there's a uh, a big, not necessarily a big buck, that there's a mature buck in the area if you're seeing a lot of those. So that's something to get excited about if you're seeing that. Um, again, hunt those historic locations where the, the bucks do do that. Maybe you catch them on those rub lines or especially those scrapes. And one of the best kind of scrapes to hunt this time of year is what Clint McCoy calls a master scrape. From what I can gather reading his article, it's the same thing I've always referred to as a community scrape. 
but I'll get into a little bit what he calls it. So from the article, if the reader takes away one thing from this writing, it should be this. Not all whitetail scrapes are created equal. Some scrapes see exceedingly more activity than others, making them better investments of a hunter's time and resources. In contrast, all scrapes serve the same purpose in all factory communication between bucks and does of all age groups. So the master scrape, common locations for it, he gets into a little bit. It's not going to be your field edge scrapes necessarily where the bucks are working those most of the time at night. It's going to be back in the timber. Um, they're going to be pretty good sized and generally uh, close to bedding. So he'll get into that here. He says, is my experience that nearly every area with a proper buck to doe ratio will have a master scrape that local deer use for communication throughout the year. Most of these scrapes are found deeper in the timber, not on the field edges. They can usually be found on the prevailing wind side of the area's doe bedding locations, and they're commonly located along a travel corridor, such as a skinny ridge top, a low-lying creek funnel, or on a transition between open hardwoods and thick bedding cover. So that's where you're going to want to look for those. Maybe you know where they are from years past. If not, you can go in and do some in-season scouting. As long as you're not intruding too much and try to find them, that's going to be a pretty good place to set up over, um, at the very least, putting a camera on, finding out what's been using it and when. So... I'll get into another paragraph of this, the master scrape best practices. He says, when he begins a survey over a suspected master scrape, it is imperative that I minimize the element of human intrusion to the area. I like to tinker with the scrape starting in the high heat of a dry midsummer day. I wear rubber boots with my pant legs tucked in while placing a trail camera for monitoring the scrape. He prefers to monitor the scrapes with a battery-efficient black flash unit and he sets the camera at a video. Um, he says the video captures um, the video captures over a master scape, scrape can yield much more usable information in these areas than still images. With video, one can study the travel routes a buck takes to engage the scrape and interpret his behavior as he works the area. He says, I always avoid crowding the scrape. I don't like to trim too much around the camera, and I attempt to minimize ground disturbance at the site, keeping it as covert as possible when trimming cannot be avoided. I usually gather up all trimmings and stash them away from the scrape as well. So be really careful when you set that camera up not to disturb too much because like we talked about before, the bucks are going to know that something's different in there. Um, then they're going to start investigating a little more. If they find that camera with your sin on it, they might not come back to it. So now he gets into actually hunting the scrape. So that's kind of the camera portion, especially like you said, if you find that in early summer, that's a good time to set that camera up. But if you haven't found one yet or maybe you just didn't know about it, and you don't know where there is one from years past, like I said, you can do some in-season scouting as long as you're careful about it, doing kind of the same thing he's talking about with your rubber boots on. I've seen guys use chest waders for it, go in there and just be as unintrusive as possible, set that camera up uh, if you can find one. He continues about, like I said, where he's hunting, when he's hunting over the scrapes. He says, when it comes to the hunt itself, my favorite time to target these locations is from Halloween through November 7th. This is in stark contrast to the common field edge scrapes found in the Midwest farmland where my experience shows most scrape visits are well after shooting light. In short, all scrapes are fine for taking inventory of caliber of bucks and the number of does in the given area, but targeting a deep timber master scrape can pay off during the fall with weapon in hand. So that's kind of a little bit more background on what kind of scrapes you're looking for. 
those community scrapes are going to be a lot more fruitful this time of year than hunting on those field edge scrapes. And that's not to say you can't have luck there, but you're generally going to see more daylight activity from those community scrapes, which is what I've got my camera on there where I was at tonight where I got that buck. So holds true at least for right now. That's pretty much everything I got for tonight, guys. Didn't have any questions come in uh, to answer for this week. So hopefully this is helpful. Next week we'll be talking about the rut more than likely, so that's exciting. Got several other topics lined up to talk about on these Full Draw Friday episodes. And if you do have any questions in the future for these episodes, you can send them to us uh, at Ridge Hunter Outdoors, Ridge Hunter Outdoors at gmail.com, or you can go to RidgeHunterOutdoors.com and then send us a message through the website. If you want to support, you can do it on the website as well. Go to RidgeHunterOutdoors.com, and you can use discount code full draw and get 10% off your first entire first order of apparel. So anything from the apparel and accessories collection, you can use that discount code. It's all caps full draw and you get 10% off our apparel and accessories collection. So if you want to support this podcast, go check that out. Another way is to follow us on Spotify. Um, leave us a review on Apple podcasts, anything as far as that goes, you can go to the YouTube and subscribe to that. And these obviously aren't on the YouTube channel, but our regular episodes are. Got some more content coming up for you there. Some exciting stuff. I'm going to be posting something tonight that I'm going to try to do throughout the year. I'm going to try to get Jeff and Nathan on it as well. Potentially, I don't know if those guys will want to do it or not, but we'll see. We'll probably talk about that Monday as well. So thanks for tuning in, guys, and we'll catch you again next Friday.